Hebrews chapter 12, a passage of scripture that I refer to rather often, yet I want to refer to it again and hope that you'll always remember it. Very important passage of scripture from a doctrinal standpoint and very encouraging from a practical standpoint. Hebrews chapter 12, you know that Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith of the elders and patriarchs that went before us and their great faith in God. Chapter 12 tells us that we have that great cloud of witnesses watching our lives. It then enters into God's chastening of his children for about 10 or 12 verses. Then at verse 14, after chastening, it exhorts us to follow peace, to be peace lovers and peacemakers and holiness in that 14th verse, without which no man shall see the Lord. Then in verse 15, looking diligently and being very faithful, cautious, and careful that we do not squander the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up troubles us and defiles many, and that there be no fornicator or profane person among us. And then it goes on to talk about the promises that are coming. But that exhortation leads us to this point. This little church building is about as pitiful, as cheap, small, despicable in the eyes of the world as we could have. It's fully functional, which is all we care about. But it's small and despicable in the eyes of the world. We're parking by ropes instead of fancy curbing and uh, pretty signs. But I want you to know something that the Lord wants you to know and that the apostles want you to know, and this is our beloved brother Paul. We are part of something far larger and far more beautiful than meets your natural eyes. And I want to give you one sentence from verses 22 through 24 that tell us what we are in union with and what we are part of. This is but a small outpost of something far larger and far greater. Hebrews 12 and verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion. I want you to notice that in verses 18 through 21, there is a comparison made to Mount Sinai and the issuing of the Old Covenant under Moses. That's the comparison being drawn. That's why we have the word but. These Hebrews that had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and been baptized had forsaken that Old Covenant to take part in the New Covenant of the Lord Jesus. And so the description is going to draw from Old Testament symbolism, and apply it to New Testament gospel grace. And they are come. This is not something that is in the future when we go to heaven, because then it's just realized more perfectly, but they are come already, these Jews. Never did the Apostle Paul hold out the hope of a millennial kingdom for the Jews. Never did he hope out for universal conversion of the Jews. He held out the hope of the gospel church and the heavenly kingdom for the Jews. I now read it to you. But, Hebrews 12, 22, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, 
and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Amen and amen. Amen. Mount Zion was a mountain on which Jerusalem and the fortress of Jerusalem was built. But this Mount Zion, and the reason it has an S, is simply because when a word comes from the Hebrew Old Testament into the Greek New Testament into the English, there are some modifications given, made, and so we have the word Zion. But this Mount Zion is not on earth. This Mount Zion's in heaven. We don't care anything about that strip of sand at the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. We care about the Mount Zion and that Jerusalem that is in heaven because the apostle tells us that is the Jerusalem that counts. He forsook the Jerusalem on earth for the Jerusalem in heaven, and the Jerusalem in heaven, according to Galatians 4, is the mother of us all. Ye are come unto Mount Zion. So we have Mount Zion. It's called the fortress that was on that mountain, the stronghold of Zion. We are at the stronghold of Zion. The son of David reigns. He is the captain of the Lord's hosts, and there's an innumerable company of angels that are our friends, brothers, and servants, as the text tells us. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. This is the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're told so. It's the general assembly rather than the local assemblies of his church. This is a local assembly that's meeting here in this place today, but we are part of and we have already are in union with them, the general assembly and church of the firstborn, the Lord Jesus Christ. Church singular uh, being a universal church. The membership role is written in heaven. It's the book of life. What an what an incredible church that we are part of. And we have come to God, the judge of all. But we have a mediator that's in this same sentence. The Lord Jesus Christ. And we've come to the spirits of just men made perfect. So that mediator has done his job. Those church members on earth that have gone before us are made perfect in the sight of God. And we have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, so all the blessings, the spiritual blessings that are in Christ Jesus are ours because Jesus, the mediator, is there making sure as the guarantor and surety of our salvation that we have those blessings. And to the blood of sprinkling, the blood of sprinkling that we learned about in 1 Peter 1-2, that we were elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, And Jesus Christ's blood is better than the best sacrifice that we know of that was offered, and that was Abel's blood that he offered, which was acceptable to God. There's one better than that. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. All in one sentence, that is what we've come to. Do not think what the world thinks. Do not think what your flesh thinks about how small and how insignificant we are. The world would disallow us, just like the world disallowed the Lord Jesus Christ. If the princes of this world had known who they were dealing with, they would not have touched the Lord of glory. And if they knew who we were, they would be offering us a new building. But we don't care about buildings made with dead stones. We care about buildings made with living and lively stones. And that's what we are today. And we have come. There's no, there's nothing dead in the, in the sentence that I just read you. It's all living. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the God of glory, it's the spirits of just men made perfect, and it's an innumerable company of angels. And we are already in union with them. We are just an earthly outpost. And the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon to gather together in one all things which be in heaven and in earth. 
angels and men, men that have gone before us and we that are still on earth, into one body. Ephesians 1 and verse 10. That's where we're headed. That's what we're part of. And you should be excited about being in the worship of God today as part of that general assembly and church of the firstborn. Let us pray. Holy Father in heaven, Lord God, we are overwhelmed as we try to comprehend what we just read. Heavenly Father, pull back the veil that hides the glory of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ from our eyes. Pull back the veil that is over our hearts so that we might clearly see the blessings of the New Testament covenant of grace that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might know that we are already, though on earth, part of the general assembly and church of the firstborn, because our names are also written in heaven. Oh Lord, we are thankful for such privileges. We Gentiles, without your grace, would be worshiping at Stonehenge. We would be blessing the sun, the moon, and the stars. We would be carrying around the so-called Virgin Mary, who hasn't been a virgin for 2,000 years. We would be kissing the feet and toes of St. Peter. We would be building edifices like the Cathedral of Strasbourg if it were not for Your grace. The pure gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ would be a stumbling block to us and foolishness were it not for Your redeeming and regenerating grace in our lives. We thank Thee that You have given us a new heart and You have opened our eyes and opened our ears. And we pray that this day we might see and behold not only that kingdom that we are part of, but the King of that kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone and indeed precious the elect and chosen of God. Heavenly Father, we are humbled this day because we shall conclude this day realizing that those that are disobedient and stumble over the gospel of Christ were appointed to that disobedience. Were it not for Your grace, we would be following in their steps. Heavenly Father, thank You for saving us. Thank You for showing us the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank You for sending Him to die for us. Thank You for allowing Him to sit at Thy right hand, our intercessor and high priest forevermore. O Lord God, have mercy upon us. We don't care about the surroundings of our building, of our parking lot, of our fellowship hall, or any other aspect. We don't care about our seating. What we care about is the Lord Jesus Christ and that our names are written in heaven and that we are part of the church of the firstborn. Bless us this day to embrace all that we hear and see and read from your precious word. Let us this day lift up our hearts filled with grace and glorify thee with song and praise and psalms and hymns as we bless your glorious name. We're thankful for thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In him alone we trust for our lives in this world, for the future of this church, and for our lives in the world to come. Heavenly Father, be with your servants and saints in every place. May the Word of God this day have free course and be glorified among them, even as it is among us. And, O Lord, we pray that your servants will be delivered from 
unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. Bless them this day that they will speak with all plainness and boldness. That the word of God will touch, teach, convert and convict your people. We thank you for our great nation. Preserve it and keep it. We pray for our rulers and we intercede and supplicate thee for them. That you would grant them wisdom, strength and ability to be the fathers and the servants of God, the ministers of God for this nation. Father, we are thankful to be in your house. We're thankful for every blessing you've given us during the week. But we know that this is the greatest blessing we have while on earth. Help us this day to worship your Son, to love your Son, to embrace Him, and to count Him precious in every way that He would be the dearest thing to our souls, that all else would flee into the shadows and disappear from view but the Lord Jesus Christ. Have mercy upon us, we ask in Jesus' name, and for His ultimate and eternal honor and glory. Amen. Amen.